Hey, what's going on? It's Michael Yo. Welcome to the Michael Yo Show podcast. Of course, you know, we do it live uh, right here on Facebook and YouTube. And then we release the podcast a couple days later. So this is just a special treat for you guys. I appreciate all the love, man. I tell you, after doing Joe Rogan's podcast, so much love from his fans, man. Thank you for listening. And, um, you know, thank you for all the well wishes. I'm getting stronger. I would say I was talking to Chris D'Elia last night. I will say physically, like the way I'm feeling and mentally about 95% back. But he was asking me about working out because Chris D'Elia, he always makes these videos of himself working out. You know, Chris D'Elia is the only dude that can work out so much, but it never looks like he works out. It's crazy, right? He stays the same. I'm like, Chris, what are you doing wrong in your workouts, bro? Where you look exactly the same, but you work out every freaking day. That's embarrassing. If I worked out as much as Chris D'Elia, I would be super ripped. The dude looks the same. He looks the same. But anyway, I was talking to him and he was like, when you start working out again, uh, have you started? What percentage are you back? I'm like only 30% back on working out. I can't go hard yet. I lose my breath too easy things like that. So, you know, I'm trying to work my way back up. You know, when I was on Joe Rogan, we talked uh, some about nutrition and then we talked some about vitamins. And I was like, you know what? I know he has Rhonda, but I need my own person for my podcast because I I found Kate and it was an interesting story. I found Kate and uh, through her husband after the Joe Rogan podcast, he emailed me. It was like, yo, I know you get a lot of crazy emails, but this one's legit. Uh, my wife is a nutritionist, a physician. She knows about vitamins. She was a nutritionist for the LA Lakers. And as soon as she, he said LA Lakers, now I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm not going to lie to you. But to be working with the LA Lakers, you have to be legit at some point. And then I looked up her books. She has a book called Fat Fix. And she has another one called Deep Nutrition that's sold out on Amazon. So hopefully they will restock. Please welcome Kate Shanahan. How are you? Hi, I'm good. So happy to be on your show. I've never actually done a live Facebook Live before. (laughs) This is Facebook Live. This is YouTube Live. So what's great about this? If anybody has questions about nutrition, if anybody has questions about vitamins, they can just leave it in the comment section right now and I will ask you live. So this is very interactive. So it's very, very cool. You look great, by the way. Thank you for being on. Oh, Thank you. And, and you look great. Thanks oh. for coming out of the hospital and looking just like just nothing ever happened. Well, I'm trying. It, it's a <laughs> tough road back. It's a tough road back, but I'm making it. What I loved is this Saturday night, yesterday, you were on Bill Maher. Yeah. How I was, was so, that? So nervous for that. <laughs> how was that experience for you being on Bill Maher? This is how legit I'm just painting the picture how legit you are. Like you're on Bill Maher. Now you're on the Michael Yo show and you are the nutritionist for the LA Lakers. So which one was is more stressful? Being on my show, working with the Lakers or Bill Maher? Uh, um Bill Maher. Yeah, yeah, I would think yeah, so. Yeah, because he like is um knowledgeable and stuff and super funny and um like he's he was so into this topic i felt like it was a lot of pressure like it was yeah. a his producer said it was like a passion project for him and he had done all research all this kind of research and i was like oh my god i don't want to let him down you know because i wanted to uh uh get the information out but i wasn't sure if 
it was going to be exactly in line with the way he was thinking, you know, already. Okay. There's so many different opinions about nutrition, even after people have read both of my books, which I, I don't even know if he had time to do that because he got them like three days before. But, uh, you know, nutrition is such a conflicted area because um, we have so many people making oodles of money off of it and trying to control our buying behavior. And the best way to do that is scare us. And so uh, there's doctors are actually playing a huge part in that without knowing it because of our medical education, not because we learn so little about nutrition, because we actually do we actually do learn just about as much as dietitians and nutritionists. There's, no, there's very little difference in the nutrition fact. What dietitians learn that's different is they learn more about equations and stuff and how to customize calories and all this kind of stuff. But, but as far as the facts, we learn the same facts. So it's not that we don't learn nutrition. What we learn is wrong. We learn like what I call it soundbite science. We, we basically learn four things and three of them are dead wrong. And, but we believe them and we, return uh you know this information regurgitate it uh to our patients and direct them to eat foods that don't do them any good and that actually promote massive amounts of inflammation which okay. is why my husband wanted to reach out to you so that we could make sure that you never have to go through anything like that ever again so you believe food is directly can directly lead like eating wrong can directly lead to certain diseases obviously that's been proven uh but you're but what are we doing wrong if somebody said what's the number one thing that a doctor is saying wrong or one of the things that is being regurgitated over and over what's the number one thing we're hearing that's just not true the most deadly information is fat makes you fat that's the most deadly information and the like subordinate of that piece is cholesterol clogs your arteries. And those two together um, completely terrify folks away from eating actual food. Because if you take away uh, fat, like particularly animal fat, right? So like the subtext of this is, well, okay, so fat makes you fat. Now, because we've been told fat makes us fat, we kind of think, well, it's not that good for us. So maybe I don't need to learn anything else. I'll just avoid it. And right, doctors have lazy brains too. So we're just like, ah, eh, forget it. Just stay, stay away from fat. So in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, everything was low fat. And um, we didn't really distinguish like, oh, there's good fats and bad fats until we started talking about yet another kind of fat trans fat, right? So it's like, oh my God, already I'm like confusing people because there's fat, is it good or bad? And are there different kinds of fats now and trans fats and all becomes chemical. Um, but what doctors do basically is they, they uh, direct you away from the traditional way of eating and cooking. And when you take away saturated fat, you take away animal fat. When you take away animal fat, you take away 80% of people's what people's calories, fat calories used to come from because they used to come primarily from fat that was naturally present in animals and butter, you know, dairy fat, um, eggs. Um, and you take away all of that and then you leave people with very little fat. So what's happened is 
the um, processed food industry has replaced that 80% with horrible fats. I call them seed oils. There's that, there's a number of them. It's eight. So I call them the hateful eight. The hateful eight. Okay. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there's uh, eight of them. So there's three C's and three S's. Starting with the letter C, we've got corn, canola, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, safflower. You don't have to memorize them. I have it on my website, drkate.com. But you should put it on your phone so that when you're shopping, you look for them. Now, these things today, if you're not, if you don't know what they are, I guarantee you're eating way more than your body needs. The average American is getting 80% 80% of their fat calories from the hateful eight. Um, and it, and that amounts to roughly 30% of their total calories. And uh, these things are pro-inflammatory. They build up in your body fat. They make your body fat work against you. They make your body fat, they render it so that it doesn't help give you energy. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't help you feel like energized and it doesn't help you feel sated. It well, doesn't. One thing in your book I found very interesting, Fat Fix, uh, that I found very interesting is you said that, you know, we, we're getting away from the the actual fat of animals, or but the obesity level is going up because we're replacing that fat with bad fat. Yes. And so everyone's get. that's why society today, the younger kids and just America, America in general is just more obese than it was in the past, even though we ate more animal fat in the past. Yes. And I'm going to pull up uh, in a second here, a slide to show what we're talking about, because it's like this slide captures basically the whole what's wrong with um, America and diet. Um, but absolutely, we we used to get 80 percent of our fat calories from animal products and and 20% from plants. And both of those were whole food sources that wasn't processed industrial seed oils. Um, it, it was, you know, nuts and seeds and whole grains and different vegetables and fruits and lots of animal products that were pretty fatty. Um, and, uh, and now it's just all, like you try to go to the grocery store and tr- just I try to find uh, yogurt, like a flavored yogurt that's full fat. It's if you can find it, most grocery stores don't have them. Is can, there a yogurt off the top of your head? You know, that is full fat. There's a few brands like um, like uh, Stonyfield does make uh, um, a flavored brand, um, but you have to go to unflavored. So it is, it's a lot easier when you go to those bigger tubs that are unflavored, but that's not what people will like grab for breakfast, right? They want to have it all ready to go. They're running out the door. They got their kids. They're getting their lunches ready and everything. So most people will just grab that, that tiny little like low fat, high sugar. Cause it's flavored with the, uh, you know, fruit sugar and stuff like that. Um, yogurt with all, zero fat in it and it doesn't sustain them. So they get hungry in a couple hours and then they go for some real junk. If they're in an office, where somebody every day brings in some real junk. So it's kind of like not having a, a, a not having a healthy fat source in your breakfast sets you up for eating bad just every day. So that let me ask you, let day. me ask you this. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions and we're going to get those on later in the podcast I, because I really want to jump into a bunch of stuff with you and it's such an honor to have you on. But for instance, 
what does because i'm doing this podcast it, it fascinates me after i got sick you know i wanted to learn more about nutrition i want to learn more about food i i consider myself a healthy guy and we personally went through my diet and we went through what i should be eating and i've already made a lot of changes for the better but for people out there i would imagine a question they would have just like i have right now why is fat where it sounds so bad why is that good for us <laughs> okay well take take a look at yourself what you're seeing in the mirror under your skin is fat okay like if you're healthy uh anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of your entire body composition is fat that's there for a reason it's not for nothing it's it's there because it's supposed to be our source of energy between meals so that we don't have snack attacks and eat all these junk foods. And so that we are completely in control of what we're eating. And after work, we, we come home and we have plenty of energy to fix a meal for our whole family. So everybody can sit down together, whether that meal takes a half hour to make or an hour, you, your body fat is your main fuel. It is, and when your body fat is healthy, uh, when it doesn't need to be fixed, right? So, because that's unfortunately these seed oils, they damage your body fat and they make it so it doesn't work right for you anymore. But once you get it fixed, your body fat is your friend because not only do you not need to snack, actually, the longer you go between meals, like once you get up to four, five, six, eight hours since your last meal, your body fat gets released more and more in higher amounts and your liver does this great thing for you. It makes ketones and ketones are this fantastic fuel for your brain that makes your brain and your and even your heart function better. It, it, it's a more efficient source of energy, 30% more energy per breath that you take or per, per calorie that you burn. So it's like you're supercharging your body with ketones when your body fat is your main source of fuel. So, no, it makes total sense. But as soon as you said ketones, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sure a lot of people go, oh, here's another person just going to talk about the keto diet. I already know about the keto diet. What right. is the difference between what you're saying and the keto diet? Because as soon as you bring up ketones, people go, keto, all right, clicking off. I already know my, what is different about what you're promoting in keto diet. So what I'm promoting is that we burn our body fat, that we have healthy body fat. And whether you're on a keto diet or not, if your body fat is healthy, when you burn it, your liver does you this favor of producing ketones that supercharges your energy. So you don't have to be on a keto diet. It's uh, That's the crazy thing. Like the keto diet was created uh, in the early 1900s as a solution for children with seizures because if you're on a keto diet, your blood sugar level is always so low that your brain never really sees much sugar. And it turns out that when you are susceptible to seizures, having a little bit more sugar in your brain often promotes seizures. And so you just need to keep your blood sugar level down as low, like in the low normal range, like not even bumping it up after you eat a little something sweet um, if you have seizures. So that's why the keto diet was like invented. 
And the, the reason that the keto diet actually is a, such a phenomena right now is because it's one of the few diets that gets you away from the really true enemies of your health, which are these hateful eight toxic seed oils. So like a keto diet, unlike the other low carb diets, directs you specifically to eat healthy fats. Like it, it directs you to have cheese and butter and bacon and eggs and, you know, coconut and avocado if you don't want to do the animal stuff. And you said earlier in the podcast that fat doesn't lead to cholesterol. Did you say that or clogged arteries or what did you, what did you exactly say? Cause I want to make sure. I'm yeah. So what I said is that what doctors tell you about fat and cholesterol is wrong. Um, but so, it will lead to high cholesterol if you abuse it. I would imagine anything you abuse will lead to something bad. Okay. Here's what's going to blow your mind. High cholesterol is not bad. Then why do every time people go into the doctors, why do they say, hey, you need to get down your cholesterol? If it isn't bad, why are doctors saying it's bad? Because we learn the wrong stuff. And the reason we learn the wrong stuff is because the best way to control what people eat is to scare them. Um, and this goes back to some interesting history. There's some real important American history that uh, everybody who wants to be healthy might want to waken up to. And it's a, it sounds like a geeky little niche piece of history. It's about the American Heart Association, which in the early 1940s had a big decision to make. They used to be, the American Heart Association used to be a uh, professional orga organization of uh, medical doctors that was an educational organization only. They decided in the 1940s they wanted to become a lobbying organization and um, they sold their soul to do that. They sold their soul to Procter & Gamble who gave them a $1.5 million grant. Procter & Gamble was the producer of Crisco, which is made out of cottonseed oil. And this was all brokered by a gentleman named Ansel Keys, who is um, the he, he's the most evil guy in history. I'm, I'm, he, he's like they call him the father of the diet heart hypothesis at Harvard. And Harvard celebrates him as somebody who helped us understand the real cause of heart attacks as saturated fat and cholesterol. But it's just nonsense. The real cause of heart attacks never was saturated fat or cholesterol. He was a, basically an egomaniac who wanted to uh, get credit for solving the mystery of heart attacks, which at that point in time was a terrifying thing um, made famous by Eisenhower. President Eisenhower was a beloved president who uh, was stuck in the hospital for eight weeks during a time of crisis. Um, in the 1940s. So this critical time in history in the 40s and early 50s set up the stage for uh, Madison Avenue to get control of what doctors say, believe, learn, teach, and preach. And so ever since the 1940s, increasingly doctors have been um, preaching the wrong stuff about fat and cholesterol. Well, let me ask you this. If I went to a doctor and they said that, and if they talked to you, that same doctor talked to you, would they know they're just blowing smoke up my ass? Uh, do they Do they actually, I, I guess my question is, do they actually know that this is not true? If, if what you say is true? 
they have no idea that they're, 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 they're good people. I mean, they just want to do the right thing by their patients. Mm -hmm. It's just that unless you um, take a deep dive and do a lot of work on your own as a physician, if you have a real passion for it, which you will do um, eventually, because there's hundreds of doctors around the country now doing this, you can uh, find them at uh, low carb doctors, like talking, what do they call conventions? That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, all over the country, a low carb USA, low carb down under, um, they do go a little crazy. I mean, talking about how carbs are the devil, but the fact is that they get it right about fats and they do, uh, they do say that, you know, no butter, eggs, they're good for you. They raise your cholesterol. That's probably a good thing. It's certainly not bad. Um, there's a lot of evidence that high LDL cholesterol is helping people survive the coronavirus infection. There's three different studies, and I, I talk about all of these on my website. Um, now, three different studies that uh, came out of Wuhan, China, where they've been doing a lot of this data uh, analysis that showed that the people who went into the hospital with severe coronavirus infection, starting right out of the gate, going into the hospital, they had abnormally low cholesterol. Now you've probably never heard a doctor say those two words, abnormally low cholesterol. Okay, three words. Um, in your life, right? Abnormally low. Like we've never emphasized the fact that cholesterol is a necessary nutrient for every single cell in your body. It helps you fight infections. Um, it helps your brain function. It helps your hormones. It helps your stress hormones. Your cortisol is made out of cholesterol. Vitamin D, guess what? It's made out of cholesterol in your skin. When the sun hits your skin, it turns cholesterol molecules into a precursor of vitamin D. So you need cholesterol. And um, these three studies have showed that abnormally low cholesterol is a seems to be a risk factor because everybody who's entered the hospital with severe disease has had extremely low cholesterol levels. And the people who are most likely to die had the lowest levels to begin with. And then during the hospitalization, their levels got even lower. So it's looking like the evidence is getting you know pretty strong that if you want to survive this infection, don't worry about high cholesterol. Don't worry about eating more saturated fat and eggs and cheese and if it's going to raise your cholesterol or not. If your family history is a history of heart attacks, I can tell you, I can guarantee you it's not because of cholesterol or saturated fat. It's probably because of the PUFAs. And I, and I do talk about how all that works in, um, in deep nutrition so that, you know, if you want to get comfortable with the idea, um, because it's a radically different idea than what's the popular idea, the conventional wisdom right now. So I found this very interesting. You were a type of person that you were pretty much saying what every other doctor was saying, and you would notice that your clients weren't getting any better. And that's what kind of launched you into, okay, let me, let me find out why what I'm saying is not working. I don't want to follow the norm. I really want to jump deeper into it. And that caused you to learn all this new, um, I, I guess, knowledge that you know, correct? Yes. I, I basically, uh, before I went to medical school, I, I loved chemistry. I loved biochemistry. So I had a huge background in biochemistry. And um, when I uh, was in Hawaii, um, I got really sick myself with a viral infection and I didn't get better until I 
like revised everything. I said, doctors learn four things in medical school. Fat makes you fat. Uh, cholesterol clogs your artery. Salt causes hypertension. Those three are all wrong. I also We also learned about vitamins and stuff and that they're good for you. Yeah, that's true. But um, I had to like go th through all my biochemistry again. I was inspired to do that just because I wanted to get better myself. And then I started thinking about what my patients were, looked like and how healthy they were and what they were eating. And in Hawaii, the part of Hawaii I lived in was the South side where it was um, heavy Filipino uh, neighborhood and they were so self-sufficient. They like would hunt uh, goat and wild pig and do all their fishing. They would have chickens in their yard. Uh, they would grow all kinds of weird stringy Asian looking vegetables, you know, like string beans that are this long and cucumbers that are this wide and stuff. And uh, they're, they used goat legs and they used every part. They would eat like raw liver. <laughs> um, and, and it was like a whole different, uh, introduction into what food really was like I I went to their their buffet party and there was this three tables strung together of the most colorful foods that were all like made out of meat because um like they used bright egg yolks and the liver was like purple and then they had all these like weird sloppy soupy things that were made out of like legs and skin and had all kinds of gelatin in them and the reason I was like impressed and that this should impress anyone is because the people who grew up eating this way, they, my patients who were, um, you know, 65, they were still working full time as uh, housekeeping in, um, you know, the hotels on the, on the island. And they would do full days of like full on heavy duty physical activity, like 14 condos they have to clean with these latex heavy mattresses they'd have to pick up and air out and scrubbing the bathrooms, scrubbing all the pots and pans by hand because uh, they didn't all have, uh, they're old, they didn't have like even um, dishwashers. And then they'd go home and cook meals for their family. And if they still had energy, which they some did, they would like do workout videos. One of my patients said she would do like a half hour workout video after doing all that. And I mean, she was like a energizer bunny and nothing was wrong with her. Her, uh, you know, every, except her cholesterol was high. Um, but, uh, you know, her joints were fantastic. Her skin was fantastic. Nothing was giving out. I mean, she was like, she was 25. And one thing you told me that I found interesting when you lived in Hawaii, and I read this in your book as well, it, you said that these people that were 65, 70 years old were in better shape than their kids or their grandkids. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, as time goes by, um, the more and more of the junk foods get into people's habits. So it's not like um, the kids didn't have access to good food. They just chose, right, to de to go away from. They wanted more of the fast food. And they wanted more of the junk food and the cereal and the other stuff that was on the commercials that was cool and everything. So the, um, you know, with I had like one family that was four generation. They were all in at once um, with uh, great, great grandma who was like, uh, almost a hundred and she didn't even wear glasses. Um, she had perfect hearing, didn't walk with a cane. She was perfect weight. Um, but the great grandchild had ADD and, you know, he had to be on medications for anxiety and he had all kinds of allergies. And I started seeing this pattern of increasing illness in, you know, the younger people where, um, like the children of these super healthy, like super race, um, would have 
hypertension or they get a little overweight or they develop prediabetes or they'd have, you know, like a heart attack or uh, something happened or arthritis in their 60s. And then their children, all these same problems, but more and everything's starting a little younger. And then in the youngest generation of all, there were all these weird learning disorders and food allergies. I mean, it was a really tragic pattern. And I wrote about it in Deep Nutrition. I said, um, if we don't do something about these seed oils and all this junk food that is loaded with way too much processed flour and sugar that are you know, addicting, it's a one-two punch that makes people get away from traditional food and eat, let's try to subsist on nothing but junk. We're going to see more and more children who grow up to be adults with less than, less than good health. And, you know, so then I started seeing teenagers who are trying to do sports and they would get um, knee injuries and couldn't even finish their high school soccer careers. Uh, you know, they would need surgery. And, you know, we always hear about, um, the ch child athletes now. I don't know if you yeah. talk about that at all, or if you have kids that um, are are in sports and their friends are having like uh, to get like their ACL repaired or they're needing like what is that Tommy John surgery if they're pitchers and stuff like that. And this is because of the increasing inflammation making it impossible to build healthy human bodies. Okay, so. I got a great question that just came in. And if you're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, this this is a podcast where you can be a part of it. Uh, Kate Shanahan, she has book Fat Burn Fix, also Deep Nutrition. She was the nutritionist for the LA Lakers. She was just on Bill Maher yesterday. Uh, this is an interesting question. Uh, Dr. Steve 300 or 3000, uh, if cholesterol doesn't clog arteries, what happens or what can cause strokes and heart attacks? Is it more of a sugar issue? I love the question. Yes, it's actually a fat issue. Um, and sugar does play a role, but um, not until somebody is already past the stage where they um, where they go from healthy to prediabetes and they can't control their blood sugar levels anymore. So elevated levels of blood sugar accelerate the whole problem. But you can still have fatty streaks and clogged arteries because if you've been eating fat that is uh, the, that is inflammatory, then the particles that are supposed to carry fat in your arteries called lipoproteins don't function right and they can't get into your cells, they can't get out of your arteries and they basically just start lining your arteries. And so that's how you get these things called fatty streaks. It's not cholesterol, it's fat. And that's how you get this soft buttery plaque. If you ever talk to, um, as I'm, I'm hoping that this person who wrote in is, is an actual doctor, talk to some of your cardiologist um, colleagues. There's soft buttery plaque inside people's arteries. It's not the hardened cholesterol and calcium rich plaque that causes most of the fatal heart attacks and, and just most of the heart problems. The uh, cholesterol is in there to stabilize everything and then calcium comes in there afterwards. So like it's the body trying to repair itself, but the fat is what starts the problem. So this whole idea that, um, Cholesterol clogs our arteries is is off. Cholesterol is there in the particles of lipoproteins to um, stabilize the fat in there. 
And so if we have more cholesterol in there, that's actually good. It makes it more stable. But the least stable fats in the uh, edible universe are these seed oils, these hateful eight. They are so unstable that they react with the oxygen in our bloodstream and they start destroying the particle that, that is supposed to ferry fat safely from place to place in our bloodstream. Now, I know you have a slide. Do you have that slide ready you want to show? And um, what I just put it on a a screen on you? How would I, how would I do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, I'm still trying to pull it up on this thing. Okay. No worries. No worries. No worries. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure if you had a slide to show, I wanted you to show it. So like you said, when you're, when you learn about nutrition, they give you four pillars. You yeah. said the first one is cholesterol is bad, right? Yes. And that's not true. Nope. Uh, the second one you said was, what was the second one you said? It's not true. Fat makes you fat. That's not true. That's what you're saying. The third one uh, you're saying is sugar. Now I want to get to, wait, not, not sugar. Salt raises Salt. your blood pressure. Okay. Okay. So, not true. so what, what's another one we're missing? Cause I want to make sure name all four of them real quick. Well, the fourth is actually true. Vitamins and minerals are good for you. Okay. So this surprised me when I was reading your book, fat burn fix, you were actually telling people to put, uh, not, not over the top, but you were just like, Hey, put salt in it, put salt in it. I'm from Texas. My dad is a person and my mom before they even taste the food. <laughs> well, you don't even know what the food tastes like. <laughs> salt, 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 salt. When I moved to LA, I just stopped using salt. It was, right. it was a weird thing. So I haven't been using salt. I read your book and now the only thing I, I still, I'm not a huge fan of salt, but I will put it on an avocado toast, just some sprinkles, just to get it on there on my Ezekiel bread okay. that you told me to get. But uh, <laughs> why, why, this is the one that really shakes people up. Why is salt not bad for you when we all think it is? <laughs> the real question is why, why do we think it's bad? Uh, because the, here's the thing, if you eat too much salt, what does that do? Well, if you eat something really salty, it often makes you thirsty. So you drink more water and your kidneys pee out all the extra salt and water that you just drank. I mean, your body takes care of it. It's not like we have to, uh, like, what's, uh, do you know the amount that is recommended of salt? Like by the, the standard? I have uh, no idea. No more than three grams, right? Or depending who you ask. So three grams, that's less than a teaspoon. So how are we supposed to be like even knowing that, like how, how are we supposed to know how much salt is in our food? That's a minute amount. It, it, nature takes care of us. If we eat too much salt, have you ever put too much salt on something accidentally? Yeah, I can't it, eat it. Yeah. So if it's really too salty, you just don't even want it. But let's say you somebody forces you. You're a, you're a, you know you're um it's rush week or something. So <laughs> <laughs> way too much. Um, well, then what's going to happen is you're going to wash it down with a ton of water. And a couple hours later, you're going to be in the bathroom, just peeing it out, taken care of. And is your blood pressure going to go through the moon in the meantime? No, it doesn't. Okay. What causes high blood pressure then? Is That's there one thing that, what, what's the one thing that really causes high blood pressure? Well, you know, believe it or not, we don't have a good answer to that. But right. I mean, my theory is that it has a lot to do with the kidney stressing out because the kidney, um, when you have high blood pressure, your kidney 
for many people, um, everybody with blood pressures, you know, there's different kinds of blood pressure, different causes of blood pressure. Uh, but one of the most common is that the kidney is actually releasing these factors that elevate your blood pressure. And my thinking, and this is a hypothesis of mine, could be totally wrong, um, is that what's happening is the kidney thinks you don't have enough blood because the kidney's not getting enough energy or enough blood flow or something. And so it's trying to preserve your what little blood you do have by releasing these factors that constrict your blood vessels and when you constrict it you're going to increase the pressure and so that increases your blood pressure um so it's because but the underlying problem is that your kidney's not getting enough energy or enough blood flow it can't regulate blood flow properly and those are all things that are completely explained when you start looking at the oxidative stress angle so oxidative stress is this um magical link between PUFAs, the, the hateful eight seed oils, and every common disease people are now struggling with. Okay. I'm still struggling with something you said at the beginning of the podcast because I'm not to that level yet. But I know at the beginning of the podcast, you said, look, once you can go seven to eight hours, seven to eight hours, I don't want to say 78 hours, <laughs> seven to eight hours without eating, that's where you want to be. My question is, that must be insanely tough to do because like we went through my diet and I'm going to just let everybody in on what we talked about. Every morning I started with oatmeal and I found out from you that's a terrible way to start your day. Uh, I also would eat, I mean, that's pretty much the, the bad thing I started my day with. You told me to change that to chia seed and almond milk mm -hmm. in the morning yeah. or because I'm lactose intolerant, you would rather regular milk. Yeah. If I could, but I can't do that. So I did almond milk, which doesn't have a lot of fat, but at least I mean, chia seeds and all. So it's like a jello. I sweeten it with some stevia instead of sugar. So I put that yeah. in it and then I put some berries in it and it tastes great. I love it. It's a better way to start today. Um, what are some advice? What are, but to be honest with you, after I eat that bowl, yeah. That doesn't fill me up for five to six hours. It fills me up I, for like three. No, I wouldn't expect actually, because what I didn't hear is a whole lot of different fat sources going in. So when your body fat is unhealthy and pro-inflammatory, which, uh, which it is if you've been eating these seed oils, it can't supply you with energy between meals. So you get hungry. And so you have to build your meal where the meal itself sustains you. And it has to break down slowly. And so fat really helps out with that. And actually fat does something else really cool with uh, hormone wise that helps you not get super hungry and tired. Um, so it doesn't spike your insulin basically, but um, cause insulin spikes actually make you build body fat and they make you drop your blood sugar, which makes you tired. But if you have a higher fat breakfast, so like if you were going to do avocado toast or if you could do butter, I would recommend like um, butter on Ezekiel toasted Ezekiel bread, which is sprouted grain bread and the sprouted grain gets into your system very slowly, less insulin spike. Um, and then peanut butter on that or, or, or avocado toast, like with extra, um, coconut cream or something to make it fatty. You want to get like three to four fifty calories. If you're tall, really tall, you want to maybe get 500 ca calories, but the, are you saying that added to the chia seed or the chia seed yeah. doesn't even matter? The chia seed has a lot of 
um, good protein in there and some slow digesting carbohydrates in there, which helps give you some energy. So they do matter. And they, there's lots of uh, nice minerals in there and antioxidants. So they're good for But you. is it bad combining them or would you just go with the Ezekiel bread, avocado, butter, and whatever else on it? <laughs> uh, you can combine them if they taste good. Okay. I'm telling you what I've um, recommended in terms of like, what people have said, Oh, I could eat that. I like the sound of that, you know? Um, and so it's, I haven't had anybody come up with a mixture where they put the chia seed on there. It's chia seeds. Oh, no, I would never, no, I would do it separate. But my, <laughs> my thing is what I'm finding I'm doing now is I'm eating the chia seed. I'm making that chia seed pudding, putting some berries in it, a stevia. And then three hours later, I'm just making eggs and oh. avocado. Okay. But you're saying you should eat that all at once and try to hold on as long as possible to your next meal or is it wrong that I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the chia seed three hours later, I'm eating eggs and avocado. And then about three hours later, I'm eating something else. Well, I would say do the eggs and avocado first. You might not even need the chia seed. Um, ah. but yeah. So you want to do the, the first meal of the day is the uh, most important one to have a high fat content because it's not going to stimulate insulin and insulin is going to drop the blood sugar. So if you've got the chia seeds, some of this actually sweet taste can so stimulate even just artificial sweeteners, even stevia, they can stimulate insulin. And so depending on how your body is, you might be extra sensitive to that and that might drop your blood sugar and make you super tired, you know, hungry, really hungry. Oh, and okay. tired. Um, just those three hours later. So the, the breakfast is really the most important meal of the day not to screw up. And we do when we make it be something that tastes sweet or has an insulin releasing um, a, a ability. And so, you know, carbs make you release insulin. So while you don't have to do a full on keto diet, you could do a keto breakfast and that'll get you a really good start to the day. Okay. What do you have to say to people that... A lot of people out there, if you, no matter what doctor you're talking to, they'll be like, some doctors are like, breakfast is very important. Some doctors are like, eh, breakfast doesn't really matter. If your first meal is at 11 o'clock, that's fine. If it's at, if it's at 10 o'clock, if it's at one, that's fine. What's your take on that? It's the most important meal of the day not to screw up. And the only way to screw it up is to have too much carb and the wrong kind of fat. So if you, if you don't eat at all, if you're not hungry, then you're having your body fat and that's not bad. So, but, so, so to you, just so I understand breakfast, you're just talking first meal of the day, <clears throat> no matter what time you eat it, first meal of the day needs to have the recommendations. You said the fats in it to hold you longer. Now, what's your, what's your advice on intermittent fasting? Good, bad. What's your take? I think it's useful because it's a very good way to uh, cut calories if you're trying to lose weight. So it kind of depends what your goals are, right? So like if you are uh, not a diabetic, I don't think if you're a diabetic, I don't think it's going to work out very well for you. I know that there's a lot of folks who do it, um, but it, you have to have a lot of willpower because if you're a diabetic, you're not healthy enough to burn your body fat. And if you are um, going more than eight hours, like depending on how you do your intermittent fast, you might end up going more than eight hours awake during the day. So like, for example, you might not be ready to skip a lunch or you might not be really ready to skip a dinner um, if you're a diabetic because your body fat's just not healthy enough to fuel you. Um, so uh, that's in the fat burn fix. That's what that's kind of like the one of the big um, directives of the fat burn fix is figure out 
whether how healthy your metabolism is first before you try to lose weight because the strategy is going to be different depending on how healthy your metabolism is okay hang on how do you find out how healthy your metabolism is i have a quiz in there called my fat burn factor questionnaire and it's uh it's a 16 15 or 16 questions that add up to a score of 100 if you're a perfect fat burner and if you're a lousy fat burner your score is zero and so if you if your score is less than 75 then you're really not ready for intermittent fasting so you have to be in pretty good shape to really get the full benefits of intermittent fasting it's all about controlling hunger if you are hungry at with whatever regimen you've been eating and then you want to lose weight so you're going to cut calories you're going to be more or less hungry do you think take a wild guess yeah you're eating 2000 calories and you want to you need to eat less and you're already hungry eating 2000 calories you're gonna be more hungry it's not gonna work uh, you know unless you build your meals just right right so that's what i help you do is build your meals just right so but i don't tell you you need to focus on cutting calories right off the bat i don't want you to focus on cutting calories even if you want to lose weight i'm sorry you have to make sure your metabolism <clears throat> is in shape to burn your body fat because you're not going to lose weight easily if you can't burn your body fat that's what you want to lose is the body fat and that body fat has to be healthy enough to fuel your day and give you energy i i just got a text from somebody yesterday who says i'm a diabetic i work out twice a week i have a thousand calorie deficit i'm not losing weight help and i told him you're not ready for the thousand calorie deficit because you're working out twice a day i guarantee the rest of the time you're not moving and he said oh yeah you're right i feel like crap i'm on the couch i can barely move so that's how what's what happens is when you try to cut back your body uh, is if you can't burn that body fat for energy your body's going to rebel against you if you're forcing it to it's going to make you feel horrible when you try to burn it because it's pro-inflammatory so like that's an extreme example he was a diabetic that's very unhealthy not everybody's that you know far down the metabolic um damage road but still lots of people are on the road and they don't realize it they can even be normal weight um and have something called insulin resistance um if you're resistant to insulin then you're going to have a hard time burning your body fat your body has too much insulin all the time and insulin blocks your ability to burn fat so you're gonna be very carb sensitive so you know if you are insulin resistant you do need to to know how many carbs first of all you're eating because if you're having 200 that's way too many because mo they're mostly empty calories um and and if you are insulin resistant you really eat you really need to cut down on your your sweets because you when you're insulin resistant and you have sweets your insulin shoots up you know twice as high sometimes 10 times as high as somebody who is not insulin resistant eating the same thing and that takes super long time to come down so that blocks your fat burn so there's just a lot of things going on in the metabolism that people have uh have to take into a you know either take into account if they're giving medical advice about it or uh, account for by following the, the steps in the fat burn fix. So that's why I, I have my first phase of my diet plan does not involve calorie cutting, calorie counting. It involves getting the right kinds of carbs and the right kinds of fat into your breakfast so that you don't start your day being hungry three hours later.
Okay, if you're just tuning in right now, uh, we're talking to Kate Shanahan. She was a nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers. She has a best-selling author, Fat Burn Fix, also Deep Nutrition. The reason why I have her on the show is because if you don't know my story, I just got out of the hospital. I battled COVID eight days in ICU. It, it looked bad for a couple of days, but I made it through. So I did the Rogan podcast, and I was like, you know what? I need to... I mean, I'm healthy. I feel like I'm healthy, but I want to make improvements. We always can get better. I reached out to Kate, and uh, we've been going ever since. One, when you say the word diet, that is a word that turns off a lot of people. Uh, I hear it's not a diet; it's a lifestyle change. Is yours more of a lifestyle change, or is it a diet? It's a lifestyle change, and it's an educational process, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, I suppose when we have to think about our food, it, you know, it feels like we're on a diet. So, um, so we, you know, I may as well we could be honest about that. Yeah. You're going to have to think about your food. Yeah. Um, but it's an educational process that really all it does is it gets us back to the way people used to eat. It's not radical. So, I mean, you know, the term diet has many meanings and when we compare what people are eating, we use it, but it's, I'm not thinking of it in terms of something temporary. I'm not thinking of it in terms of it's calorie restricted. I'm not thinking in terms of it's restricted period, because actually most people are on a restricted diet and they don't know it because 66% of the average American's calories come from three things, the seed oils, sugars, and refined flour, 66%. So that leaves one third, one tiny little sliver for all the vegetables and nuts and seeds and animal products and fruits in the world is that one little tiny sliver. So most people are on a diet and it's a very restricted diet and it's like a super unhealthy pro-inflammatory diet. And it's, you know, it's really, it's an experimental diet. And what happens when you feed people, uh, <clears throat> you know, processed food made out of fats from seeds and we've been on this experimental diet for 20 years. And now if I can screen share, I figured out that I can actually theoretically okay. share. Let's um, go for it. Okay. So share screen. I'm going to click over to um, this here. Okay. Is that showing up now? No, it's not showing. I don't know if our, it's not showing up on my screen. Oh. What are you seeing? Sorry. Nothing. I see you looking at your computer still. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Maybe I just did it wrong. Okay. Oh, I did it totally wrong. Okay. Um, share your screen, entire screen. Okay. Share. I did it wrong. My bad. Sorry. How about now? No. What? Yeah. I don't know why. Facebook. I know. Sorry. Okay. Chrome maybe because we're maybe because we're streaming and we're on YouTube too. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It says something about Chrome is having a conniption fit. Darn it. Okay. Cause um, yeah, it's a graph that shows that over the past century, our seed oil consumption are, has gone from, you know, basically zero because they didn't exist up to a hundred pounds per person per year. Our butter consumption has- Wait gone a minute. Hold on. A hundred pounds of seed oil we're consuming every year, each yeah. person? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so this is confusing for me and I'm still confused and we talk all the time. Uh, seed oil. I've asked you about this. When I pick up something at the store, it's not going to say seed oil Correct. on it. What am I looking for on the back of a label to make sure I'm not getting these seed oil products? They're corn. There's three C's and three S's. 
And, uh, you know, you should eventually memorize them, but I do have the resources on my drkate.com site. Um, the C's are corn, canola, cotton seed, and the S's are soy, sunflower, safflower. And if you get mixed up about, okay, so uh, let's see now, um, coconut, that's also a C. But you know what coconut tastes like? Do you know what cotton tastes, cotton seed tastes like? No. <laughs> nothing it tastes wait like nothing. so you said sunflower too yeah sunflower uh -oh. it doesn't mean sunflower seeds are bad for you though so it's the refining bleaching deodorizing and the concentration of these poofas and the, the stripping of everything and it changes the fatty acids so i have all this on my website for people who want to know more and want to kind of like get it nailed down what's the website again drkate.com d-r-c-a-t-e.com okay so so what are some things that these foods can be made in that's good? You know, we looked at, okay, watch for these six things, but what are some things on the back of a package you're looking at? What type of oils are we looking for? Coconut oil, you said? Coconut, olive, um, even palm. I, I don't love recommending palm because it's horrible for the environment, but the fact is it's a stable fat. So there, I can't, you know, um, so uh, and then you're never going to see this probably, but you know, it, 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 oh, actually, butter. You sometimes do see butter. butter. Like Pepperidge Farm has a line of cookies that has butter in it instead of um, the vegetable oils. Um, but I do have a list of products also on my website, um, and I link to that on my most recent post. That um, peanut butter, for example, you can buy one brand of peanut butter and it's going to have soy or corn oil in it or hydrogenated oil in it, even worse. Um, and you can buy another brand that doesn't have anything in it. It's just got peanut oil in it or peanuts, in it, which. Okay. Yeah. That's what we'd look for. Uh, I'm a big peanut butter eater. So uh, yeah, that's the first thing when we talked, I was like, let me see our peanut butter, but luckily we were using the right kind, but okay. that's something I consume so much. And I wanted to make sure our family was eating the right peanut butter. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to move into uh, vitamins because there's a big discussion about vitamins, what you should take, what you should not take. Uh, vitamin D is big now. You know, a lot of people talking about vitamin D. Uh, I've changed to not taking vitamin D to taking 5,000 IUs, I believe they say, yeah. of vitamin D a day, even though the bottle recommends every other day of that. But I'm just like, screw it. I, I can't. Yeah, I'll be fine. Uh, why is vitamin D so big? And do you think uh, there's discussions that I've heard that vitamin D can, you know, be an, not an answer to Corona, but help fight it as well? Uh, yes, uh, it, right. It's, so, it's just the immunity. It gets your immunity up to fight it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hope it does because that makes life so, you know, easy. We can do something so easy and potentially support our immune system. I, I mean, the thing is, if you have like, you know, a deficiency of a vitamin, that's a big deal. You know, yeah. you can't be healthy. You can't be optimally healthy. And when you're trying to fight off an infection, that's like a, one of the hardest things your body's ever going to have to do. You know, if you, especially viral infections, because they're so sneaky, they hide inside your cells. Viruses are sneakier than bacteria. And if, you know, if they get into the point where you're in the hospital with a virus, you're actually in worse shape than if you're in the hospital with a bacterial infection, because you can just get some IV antibiotics for the bacteria, but it's all on your immune system to fight off the, the virus. And that's why, you know, staying away from these seed oils, they, they are so helpful that your immune system can't possibly fight off a virus effectively when it's got your body fat and your diet are full of seed oils. But um, the vitamin D 
probably plays a key role because every cell in your body needs um, to have calcium inside the cell at the right amount at the right time and vitamin D helps to modulate all that. Um, and, and, and why are so many people deficient in it? Well, two reasons. One is if our, earlier in our discussion, I was talking about all the, the radical wheel, weird animal parts that people um, in, from the Philippines eat. Well, uh, newsflash, it's not just the Philippines. Everybody everywhere used to uh, eat every single part of the animal. I mean, 100 years ago, even in this country, Americans, you know, Scrapple, one of the uh, staples in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia food um, that included all the organ meats. Scrapple was made out of scrap. So it had like kidney and weird things in there. All of those parts of the animal are super foods. They, they are concentrated in things like vitamin D, like liver has got a lot of vitamin D. Kidney has a bunch of vitamin D. It's where the stuff is synthesized and stored in there. Um, and um, also, so that's one reason we don't eat the radical weird foods that we used to. And the other one is that we don't get sunlight. And, you know, we're inside all that. I'm in, living in Florida and right out there is a whole bunch of potential vitamin D happening, but my skin isn't out there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. We, we, it's beautiful, but a lot of people aren't getting outside, especially during a pandemic that has you locked up inside. Uh, I don't know if this question you can answer, but Gloria asks, what is the best way to take vitamins and medication? Like together, do they, yeah. like, do they counter each other? Um, so most vitamins are absorbed better with food because that's how vitamins normally come into our body as part of a whole piece of food. So, and that food doesn't have to be the biggest meal, but it, it should be really ideally the biggest meal of the day, but it doesn't have to be like literally at the same time. Like you can eat dinner at six and, you know, out at a restaurant and then not get home. You still got loads of food in your digestive system. So, you know, at, by nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's still fine. Um, I just wouldn't do it like first thing in the morning if you don't eat a breakfast or a decent sized breakfast, especially not if you're trying to absorb fat soluble vitamins, which vitamin D is, and you don't have any fat in that meal. Um, and then as far as medications, um, certain medications mix with certain vitamins, like thyroid mixes with, uh, I mean, not mixes, but binds in a counterproductive way. Thyroid uh, um, binds calcium and magnesium and zinc, so you don't want to have those together. They usually say, the medications usually say, the, the vitamins, they, they okay. figure it out on your own. Okay, so we have another question here from Leanne. Chris, is desiccated beef liver capsules the best way to defeat anemia? Liver itself would be better, but yes, it's a it's a great um, follow-on uh, if you can't do liver. But it does depend if you're super iron deficient. Um, you like if your iron levels are very low, and your doctor says um, your iron levels are very low, then you need also to take supplemental iron. Um, it'll come up faster. If you just aren't in for that, or if it upsets your stomach, then yeah, beef liver is great because that's all actually, that was the recommendation doctors used to make back in the day when, um, you know, women had, uh, it was kind of a part of the postpartum thing because a lot of women would lose a lot of blood during their deliveries. And then the doctor would say, okay, we'll just make sure to eat liver, you know, at least once a week, but you know, several times a week, even better. Now I mean, uh, you mentioned calcium a little bit earlier. I can't drink milk. You know, I'm not a milk drinker at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's just I'm lactose intolerant. Should people like me be taking calcium pills? Well, if you truly don't get any dairy products. Not um, really. And you're not like just a kale aficionado, you know, um, you probably should. 
at least take five, you know, 500. I don't like to recommend more than 500. So your body needs somewhere around 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day. Um, I don't recommend above 500 for the simple fact that um, it, our bodies don't use these as efficiently when they don't come with food. And so what that means is they cannot control where the calcium goes as efficiently. So studies have showed that if you um, supplement with calcium beyond somewhere around 500, you can get kidney stones, you can get um, calcified tendons, and you can get calcific arteries, which may or may not be bad, but you don't need calcium in your arteries. So it doesn't go where you want it to go. Um, and so, but let's talk about lactose intolerance because there's so much confusion about dairy and lactose Yes, please. Um, so lactose is the, is the sugar in milk. And when you ferment milk to make things like yogurt and cheese, the lactose content goes down sometimes dramatically, sometimes to basically zero. So some cheeses have no lactose. And so if you have a problem with these cheeses that don't have any lactose, your problem with dairy isn't lactose. It's, it might, it's something else. Now, okay. Okay. Happen? What are those cheeses then that don't have that much lactose for, so everybody can be on the same page? Like hard cheeses. So, but you know, soft cheese being like cream cheese or brie um, or cottage cheese. Uh, so the hard cheese is like cheddar or Swiss or Munster or um, my favorite, um, the Mashsker, something with an M. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. And, um, you know, so that's the dairy part. I, the vitamins, can you over, I don't want to say overdose on vitamins, but is there a certain vitamin that if you take too much of it, it's very bad? Yes. All the fat soluble vitamins. If you um, have a, a drinking problem, especially your liver can't process vitamin A very well. And if you take synthetic vitamin A, people can actually get liver failure from it. So that's the worst. Um, and then, uh, you know, vitamin D, um, if you take massive amounts of, usually it's like a prescription strength vitamin D, um, and nobody's checking your levels, you can actually get very high levels of D and then your calcium levels can go somewhat dangerously high and people can even have seizures and things like that. Um, those are, those are the two most common theoretically vitamin E uh, since it's also fat soluble, A, D, E, K are the fat soluble ones. The rest of them you pretty much pee them out if you have too much of the vitamins. Minerals, okay. so that's a separate category. We'll talk about that in a second. But the A, D, E, K vitamins. So vitamin E, um, synthetic vitamin E is not what nature makes. So you can get too much of it because it is not a natural molecule. It is actually uh, something that could counteract the natural molecule. So synthetic vitamin E is something I don't recommend. I, I do recommend getting, you know, natural tocopherols. That's what they, that's what the vitamin will, capsule will say. It's natural tocopherols. Tocopherol is the, uh, the technical word for vitamin E. Um, and then vitamin K, um, there's two kinds of vitamin K, K1 and K2. Um, those um, are, we've actually really just recently discovered vitamin K2. And so we have no idea what it would do in excess or if there's such a thing as excess. And vitamin K1, I just don't think there's much possibility of having problems with that unless you're on a blood thinner because vitamin K makes clotting factors. Um, and if you're on a blood thinner for a heart condition, then um, you should not you should not have like days where you have a ton of vitamin K, then they measure whether you're taking the right dose and they adjust your dose up. Um, and then you stop taking vitamin K, take the same dose, you're going to overdose. Okay. So, so when you're taking vitamins, uh, 
like I, I I did a bunch of reading where a lot of stores now I think they're they're cleaning it up, but you used to be able to go to like the CVSs, the Walgreens, and those vitamins were no good. Basically, they would come in and the FDA would come in and take all those vitamins away or whatever company did that. It was just not good pills. So where do you suggest people going to get like the vitamins that really have the stuff that they're promoting in them? So one of my favorite companies is actually Standard Process, the one that you brought up. Because yeah, I love Standard. I use Standard <laughs> Process. Yeah. Yeah, because they make an effort to actually source as much of their vitamins in the actual natural form that nature made. They have like a massive garden, and they try to um, purify or isolate out the vitamins from the real source rather than synth synthesize them in a lab where you can actually get byproducts and things that are the have the opposite effect of the vitamin contaminating vitamin. So I, th I think that they're a great company. The, the, the downside of that is that that's actually really hard to do. And it turns out that their pills are large and you're going to have to swallow a lot of them. Um, so um, I, I also like other companies that are basically pharmaceutical grade or, um, um, so like Thorn is a good one. Um, oh, there's another one, but you can, they label, they call themselves pharmaceutical grade when they are. Now there is an opportunity with vitamin D. You can do the vitamin D under the tongue, or you can take the pills for 5,000 I use. Is there a big difference? Like if you could choose one or the other, would you go with pills or the drips? Actually, um, it makes basically zero difference. The only thing that makes me recommend the brand that I do recommend on uh, on my resources page um, is that the fat is not one of the nasty seed oils because who wants that? But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, the, the pills are easier to swallow. The drips um, from my favorite brand, which I actually use, uh, called Carlson, um, is uh, they, they come out of there so slowly because the drop is so tiny. So you got to sit there for like, I've counted eight <laughs> seconds. And, um, and you know, it's just like who has eight extra seconds in their day. So what I actually do is I pop that little drip uh, control thing off. And I, once a week, I just pour what I think is eight drops into a spoon and guesstimate it. So it doesn't matter when you take the drops either once a week or like every day, it doesn't matter. You, you're getting it. It, the fat soluble stuff, it stores in your tissues so that it really, it doesn't matter. You could do it even once a month if you've got a huge dose. Okay. I want to talk about the Lakers real quick. When you went in to be a nutritionist for the Lakers, like these are professional athletes, the best athletes in the world. Did they have the same problems that us normal people have with eating and dieting and with, with sugars and sweets and things like that? Yeah, worse because you know they have <laughs> more ways of being naughty, uh, you know. Um, so, like famously, I've, I've talked about uh, my experience with Dwight, who was like one of my favorite. Dwight, players. Dwight Howard. Howard, yes, he is a sweetheart. He really cares about his teammates, his family. Um, he uh, had a horrible sugar addiction when I met him, and he knew sugar was bad, and people had been telling him for years. Um, but, uh, because he wasn't healing properly after his back surgery, I said, if you want to get better, um, you have to stop the sugar. It's that's what's in the way of your healing. And by the way, if I'm wrong, if you cut out all your sugar in two weeks, you, uh, don't feel any better then then forget it. I'm out of here. I'm going to quit because mm -hmm. like that's, I wanted to give him a guarantee. Like, you know, I wasn't just BSing him. And, um, and so when finally, um, 
we went, uh, you know, he said, uh, he said it right there on the phone. He said, don't leave us, Dr. K, with his sweet Southern drawl. And so at that point in time, he clicked, he made up his mind um, that he was going to have the sugar out. And so they ended up carting it out in boxes and he had it stuffed in his uh, couch cushion. <laughs> had it in his bedroom he had it like they were taking boxes of it out it was all over his car you know because like he didn't have any kind of financial limitations on what he was going to buy so um so yeah and and also they kind of have it worse because mentally they they think well you know i'm an athlete you know and my diet that i was following maybe that's what got me here you know mm -hmm. i hear people arguing about is this a good diet or a bad diet they sound like they don't know what they're talking about, frankly. I know what worked for me because this is what I ate was uh, 10 candy bars every day. He was actually having the equivalent. That was an underestimate. He was having the equivalent of 22 Hershey's bars every day, sugar-wise. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. And and so, you know, you, you, you kind of like are scared of change if it wasn't any way responsible for your success in your mind, right? So that that there's all these superstitions that um, are in the, in the MBA around uh, – Different foods, uh, particularly peanut butter and jelly, mm -hmm. um, it, which uh, which actually isn't bad, especially if you use the right peanut butter. But um, you know, so there's uh, so they kind of have it a little bit worse because it's kind of tied to their career and their sense of good luck. You know what blew me away in your book, uh, Fat Burn Fix, is you said eating an apple or a banana is like eating a Hershey bar, sugar wise. Yes. And um, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to eat fruits anymore. I don't even put fruits in my, in my, in my, uh, chia seed bowl anymore. Like, cause I used to eat apples all the time and bananas all the time. And knowing that I'm getting the same sugar content as a Hershey bar, it kind of blows me away. Even though they are different sugars, are they being digested the same way though? Well, once they're digested, they have the same effect on your body. So fructose in an apple, once it gets digested, your body has no idea whether it came from an apple or like a Mountain Dew, big gulp, right? Because it's the molecular, it's the same exact thing. It's just that that apple has um, a few other nutrients in there. So the best fruits, a lot of people ask, what are the best fruits? The best, yes. best fruits are the smallest ones because the skin has a lot more antioxidants and sometimes a lot more vitamins in it. So the higher skin to pulp ratio um, is better. And this, that means that the smaller it is, the better. So like, um, what are those things? Goji seeds? Was that, that was like a yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Those are teeny tiny. So they're a super healthy fruit. Blueberries are super healthy. Um, and the, the one exception to that rule is like the um, melons. So melons are super watery. So you can have a big volume of them without getting a whole lot of sugar. Okay. Okay. So for a person that's trying to get into the vitamin side, what is three vitamins they should start off with and definitely add to their collection? If I'm, if I'm new to vitamins, I've never taken vitamins in, in my life and I need three vitamins to take, so, to just get it going. What should I be taking? We haven't talked about minerals, but I, I, I'm assuming like a lot of times people use them like the similar, like to mean the same thing, right? Vitamins and minerals, mm -hmm. these essential little things you can take in a pill. So um, the difference is that minerals are actually atoms, you know, from a, they're, they are often like metals, um, for example, magnesium. So that is one that I would recommend. Um, I recommend everybody supplement with magnesium and zinc. Um, and I, uh, my husband jokes as he's sitting there swallowing his magnesium and his zinc that, <laughs> he said, what am I, a ladder? Yes. <laughs> 
he, he makes. Yeah, jokes. he's not. He's not that funny. Your husband. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's he's got a lot of work to do. Anyway, he yeah. tries. He tries really hard to bring good cheer. So, um, uh, so uh, I think he's funny though. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, so th- those two and D because um, D, uh, you know, we're not getting it in the sunlight. And we're not getting it enough in our vitamin D fortified milk. The RDA of vitamin D, the recommended daily allowance that the government suggests is, uh, I think it's still like stuck down at 400 or 600 for adults. Um, that is way too low. I mean, if, you know, if you're taking 5,000, you're taking 10 times the RDA, that can be scary. But honestly, I've checked blood levels when people are taking that much. And it's been in the medium high range if they've been doing it for like four years. But it takes that long. When people first start out, their their numbers are even low sometimes taking that much vitamin D. It takes a while. If you've not taken D, um, because D is fat soluble and it has to, like in order for the blood level to come up, it has to be fully saturated already in your fat. And if you don't have, if you have not had D in your diet for years, well, your body fat doesn't have any. So it's going to absorb a lot. It's going to take a while for that blood level to come up. How long is a while? could take years. That's why some people take prescription D and it comes up a lot faster. Um, But I don't know that. I just don't know which is if it matters, honestly, because the amount in your blood may not be as important as the amount in your tissues and your bones and stuff. So um, your body is very smart. If it is your, your blood doesn't use vitamin D. It's your okay. tissues that use vitamin D. The blood is just the carrying, you know, the the um, conveyor belt for vitamins to get from your digestive system to your tissues. So when your tissues really need D, they've got a lot of D receptors on their surface. And so they'll just like slurp it right out of your bloodstream and that they, they should be able to get it. That's why I don't always tell people that they need the prescription strength because Frankly, I've seen too many people just take way too much that way or they don't bother getting a refill and then they stop taking it, period. So um, it seems almost better just to take a what you're doing, what you're doing, which is the 5,000. Okay, so I'm on Joe Rogan a lot. And every time I'm on, he's like, hey, man, you got to get a sauna. You have to get a, a, I sweat every day, 180 degrees. I was doing 210, but now I'm at 180 degrees. Man, I'm telling you, it <laughs> helps, it helps, it helps. So- <laughs> I was like, okay, I heard Dr. Rhonda on his show talk about saunas. What have you found out about saunas? So I did a whole bunch of research because you gave me homework. I love homework. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I found that there's all kinds of research showing that it improves concentration, improves learning, and you know, in, around sport. Um, it improves well-being, it improves relaxation. And I had this strong sense of deja vu because. Uh, five years ago, it was massage that did all those exact same things. Mm. And five years before that, it, it was, um, what was it before that? Um, oh, uh, acupuncture. And before that, it was yoga. And before that, it was meditation. So what I'm thinking is that getting in a relaxed state um, and changing your physiology a little bit uh, is a good thing. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like it's the miracle. Okay. There's okay. a lot of cool miracles out there. So you can do whichever one you like. Okay. Okay. But like when you're in a sauna, what is there such a thing as sweating out toxins? Yes. It is. Okay. Yes. 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 Because um, yeah, your sweat glands uh remove- let me let me let me interrupt. Sorry, Dan. What exactly is a toxin? <laughs> like what exactly these toxins we are sweating out? 
<laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. Because like, how does your body know, right? Yeah. Do your cells take a chemistry <laughs> course? Right. No, they they just know like they know what they want, right? So they there's um there are cells that specialize in keeping in the good things. So kidneys do that. Kidneys reabsorb all the good stuff, you know, after they filter your blood and then they suck in a lot of the good stuff from the filtrate to, that they know what they want. And the rest just goes out by default. Gotcha. Um, and then, then, so, so that's, that's one way of defining a toxin is something that your cells can't use and it just gets excreted. And another way is um, something that triggers your liver to turn on these, these powerful like uh, bodyguard enzymes that break down foreign molecules that are doing bad things to them. So like your liver has to be like Rocky on the ropes. They're like, Oh, there's molecules beating me up. Um, and then it wakes up enzymes that beat up the molecule and then it goes out by your bile and you poop it out. So okay. And, and your sweat glands kind of have some other mechanism uh, of, of doing something similar like there's something about ions like if there's just too many ions your sweat glands are going to get rid of them but they do seem to have the capacity even to get rid of uh like some small fatty acids like break down products of fatty acids that are um just the body's not using okay so uh before we end i just want to go through how people can reach out to you your book fat burn fix they can get that deep nutrition uh, are they sold out on Amazon, you said, or is one sold out? Yeah, they're both sold out, but uh, on Amazon and <laughs> hard copy. The, yeah. uh, but um, you can still get it on audio. You can get it on Kindle and you can get um, the fat burn fix from Barnes and Noble. And then you can get uh, deep nutrition from, uh, shoot, it's like discountbooks.com or something deep like that. Deep nutrition is the older one, correct? Correct. Fat burn fix is the newer one. Okay. Yes. And what is your website again? Dr. Kate, D-R-C-A-T-E.com. So what we're going to do is put all that information. Send me your book links if you find any that uh, where people can buy it. I'll put it in the information below. So if you're uh, watching this on Facebook and YouTube, you can check out her work. And also if you're on the podcast, you can just click the links and it'll take you right there. Any last words, Kate? I mean, this was awesome. I've learned a lot. I'm sure I'm going to have you on several times because... You know, right. this thing, this whole COVID thing, we're learning more stuff every single day, but I think it goes back to, look, I had shitty luck. I'm, I'm not going to, I just, you know, my immune system was run down. Um, you know, what, what's interesting is, you know, they were talking about these underlying um, diseases that could lead to something that that's why people are getting Corona. So my next thing with my doctor is once I'm fully healed, I want to actually go in and get tested to make sure I don't have any underlying conditions, you know, because there might be one I'm missing. I don't know. Right. So yes, I mean, those are all the metabolic diseases, the underlying conditions, they cause hypertension, they cause prediabetes, they cause insulin resistance. Unless your doctor's like a metabolic, uh, got a metabolic passion, he's not going to do the most important blood test he could do, which is um, something that um, it gives you something called your insulin resistance score, also known as your HOMA IR score, where you test your fasting blood insulin at the same time as your fasting blood sugar. That is the most important one because insulin resistance underlies all those other metabolic conditions that were considered the pre-existing condition even things like um migraines i know you when you were on joe rogan mm, yeah. you were like um they said migraines is going to be listed as your underlying condition well 
migraines can be due to you know a variety of things, but they're always made worse by inflammation. And so um, having the PUFAs in your body fat causes inflammation. It causes the inflammation that causes insulin resistance. So the PUFAs in your body fat, the seed oils in your body fat is the underlying condition that underlies everything. That's that's my take on all okay. of it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a few doctors out there that I think uh, agree with me. It's not like a universally accepted thing, but these seed oils are no good for you. So why not just cut them out? But if you do cut them out, I, I guarantee this is what I said on Bill Maher, that if anybody has been off of them for five years and they're under 65 and they don't have like a serious immune problem, like chronic infection, like Lyme disease or HIV or anything, uh, or chemotherapy right now they're not going to end up in the hospital. If I, I, if, if I, if one person has that, let me know, because I would be surprised if you have been categorically avoiding these seed oils five years, they're out of your body fat. You should not have gotten the complications of the virus. And maybe we should talk about that a little bit more, but the inflammatory complications, which is the ARDS, the, the mm -hmm. thing that makes you need to go on a ventilator and the cytokine storm, which is uh, the thing that causes the blood clots and makes you swell all over and causes kidney problems and strokes. So, so to you, what, what's causing these blood clots? The cytokine storm, which is a result okay. of having inflammatory body fat. It's the, the fatty acids in, in the seed oils themselves get transformed into chemicals that cause this stuff to happen to our body. So to you, it all starts with these vegetable oils. The worst of it. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying that a viral infection can't be serious. Yeah. Out uh -huh. oils, right? Like, I mean, the Spanish flu was so deadly, it killed people in hours, but that was a very aggressive virus. Yeah. Coronavirus, I mean, compared to that flu, this coronavirus is a puppy dog. And, and that's not to take away, I mean, that means it can still kill a lot of people, right? Especially the those over 65, which is yeah, dying. But um, but we're making it worse. And I'm what I'm saying is you take away these seed oils five years ago, you would not have been in the hospital. Got you. Well, I'm definitely on my way to doing that. I, I look over my food much, much more. Uh, I'm taking my vitamins every single day where I didn't take it seriously before. And I think, look, we I, I made it. There's a reason why I made it. I feel that. And my job is now, I thought it was healthy. This was so interesting. I worked out six times a week. I thought it was healthy. I thought I was doing everything right. And then when you go to the hospital and go through something like this COVID-19 I, I did, I was like, all right, let me step back and reevaluate myself and see if I was really as healthy as I thought I was. And then after going over the things I ate with you, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can do better. It's not that I wasn't healthy. Like I ate oatmeal every morning. Look, I learned from you, all that oatmeal I'm eating is just turning into sugar eventually. <laughs> right. uh -huh. You know, so I can do better. And that's yeah. what I found out from yes. your books is it's not about I wasn't bad, but I can do better. So why not do better? Exactly. And that is a state of mind. And, and that is a state of mind that I want to make contagious, as contagious as this virus is, because we can take um, we can take a sad song and make it better. As I said on Bill Maher. Yeah. If we take this opportunity to um, to realize that th what this virus, if, if you swallow the red pill, if you swallow the Kool-Aid that I'm handing out here and saying, you know, these take away these seed oils, nobody under 65 is going to be in the hospital. Um, that means that um, we have an enormous power to make everybody so much healthier because 
these underlying conditions that when your doctor does blood tests, he's going to check your cholesterol levels. He's going to check, you know, your blood sugar levels. These things all improve when people get their seed oils out of their body. So that's why I say it starts with the seed oils. It's not just theory. It's I've seen it. I've done the tests, the blood tests. I've asked people what they eat and I see things get better. And they tell me people feel better. People have had crazy things get better. Like just one example, somebody had um, like a macular degeneration. You know how Stephen King, the author is going blind. Yes. For macular um, so he's got a, a, this person had that and they were in their forties and they, it was like no reason why they should have that because um, that they were probably insulin resistant, honestly, at the time, but doctors don't know how to test for that. But he got the seed oils out of his diet and it went away. His macular regenerated and his vision became perfect. But are you saying you won't see these effects because you're you're saying five years a lot. You won't see these effects till five years? I say I can guarantee them in five years. And okay. you're going to start seeing effects the morning you start eating a healthier breakfast because you're giving yourself an energizing kind of meal. It's going to, the healthy fats in there are going to energize your body in a way that you haven't had you know, experienced. If you've been eating oatmeal for breakfast, you haven't experienced like what you're supposed to in terms of just a normal energy level. Uh, everybody watching, I want to thank you for all the questions. We can't get to all of them, but Xander wrote, is it better to eat three big meals a day or to eat more regularly? For example, six smaller meals throughout the day, for metabolism reasons. Now you do hear this from different people. You need to eat a lot during the day because it's like throwing fire. I mean, it's like throwing wood on the fire. It keeps your metabolism going. What's your take on his question? Uh, yes, I, I love the question because it is one of the biggest myths out there. Uh, the, uh, the, the dietitians will tell you you need to eat six small meals because you need to regulate your blood sugar. But you have hormones, you have 20 hormones roughly that regulate your blood sugar. You do not need to regulate your own blood sugar mentally. If people had to regulate their blood sugar back when we were you know, on the Serengeti planes, we'd all have died. Um, you also do not to keep your metabolism going. It's not like this pilot light that's going to burn out. What's going to happen if your metabolism stops? Are you going to die? Are you going to turn into a ball of fat? Your metabolism doesn't stop. Though when you stop eating, that gives you an opportunity to burn your body fat. Now, if your body, if you don't feel well after you've not eaten for a number of hours, that means your body fat's not healthy enough to do its job, and you've got too much seed oils, and you need to radically. Um, reformulate your meals so that they can give you the energy between meals. So you're saying people are gathering their energy from the wrong thing. They're, they're substituting sugar and different foods for energy where it should be. No, my fat should be the thing that's creating my energy now. Yes. I mean, if you take that six small meal argument to its ridiculous extreme is like, no, you have to keep that fire going. You've got to stoke it now. Now, no, it's not just enough to do it six times a day. You've got to be doing that every five minutes because, um, you know, you've got to keep those calories up in your bloodstream. Right. Um, so now you got to eat every five minutes, but you can only have two calories. So that's like, I mean, that's the ridiculous extreme that that argument is uh, that I think should help smash the argument because why not more? Why not more and more? Why is six the magic number? If unless, unless there's this thing called storage energy, which is our body fat, right? So you eat, you don't have to count your calories. If you eat too many, if you eat more protein than you need, your body converts it to fat. If you eat more sugar than you need, your body converts it to fat. If you eat more fat, it just goes into your body fat. That's what the fat is for, for that overflow. And if you 
consistently eat too much more, your body fat, when it's healthy, guess what it does? It makes you want to get up and go. It gives you energy. There are studies that show that some people, when you overfeed them on purpose, they get they have so much get up and go the next day. They, they'll burn 9,000 extra calories. I mean, it's ridiculous how much energy it gives some people. That's how so, the, so this, this whole conversation uh, that we've been talking about is getting people to the point, and your books help people get to this point, Fat Burn Fix and Deep Nutrition, that we're relying on the wrong thing for energy. And once you start burning your own fat, and that's why you don't need to eat as much uh, right. as many times a day, you can go four to five to six to seven hours without eating because now you're burning the right energy from fat, your own fat, and not these... Uh, not these fats that are processed or, you know, these are actual fats. So that's what you want to get people to. And in your books, you, you let people know how to get to that point. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and so like, I want people to assess their ability to burn their body fat with that quiz. And then I want them to just, uh, uh, just, uh, go through the right phases at, for the right amount of time. And I teach people how to use, their level of hunger and how they feel when they're hungry to as a guide to whether or not you're ready to cut your calories, whether or not you've eaten enough, whether or not you still have sugar issues, because it is all designed by nature for our bodies to be able to do it all perfectly. We didn't used to have all these apps and, you know, calorie counters and scales and everything. It used to, if you look at um, like YouTube videos from the seventies of just people walking the streets, you ever done that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not, not walking the street, but no, (laughs) I've never watched YouTube videos of people from the seventies, Dr. Kate. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Try it. Like try Baltimore 1970s. And you're going to see that they look like athletes. They are lanky. They're fit looking. And now you do Baltimore, you know, you know, Baltimore 2020. And, uh-huh. uh, and it's, it's you know, overweight. Everybody's overweight because we are just constantly needing to eat. It's not that we're lazy. It's that it's not that we have no willpower. It's that we can't get energy from our fat and we're just dying for energy. So we have to eat more often. And that's only because of these seed oils. So you get them out of your life and you do nothing else then you are going to be healthier. It's going to take longer, but yeah. if you learn how to build your meals right, you can start feeling benefits right away. Yeah, so basically we've replaced good fat for terrible fat. And the four pillars, as you said, go over those four pillars again before we end the podcast so everybody knows. The the myths, like the doctor the myths. myths, yes. Yeah, okay, so uh, fat makes you fat, wrong. Cholesterol clogs your arteries, wrong. Salt gives you hypertension, no. Uh, but this is true. Vitamins and minerals are good for you. All right. The books are called Fat Burn Fix, Deep Nutrition. Dr. Kate, thank you so much. Send me that info so I can put it in the uh, little descriptions below the videos. And I appreciate your time. And hopefully you'll come back in a month. If anything ever pops up, something new on the market, something we need to try, you're going to be my go-to, okay? <laughs> great. All right, Dr. Kate, have a great one, okay? Yeah, it's been fun. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.